Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. <laughs> and I'm Wesley. We're going to be taking a dive into our childhood, into everybody's childhood, and we're going to be covering the whole Scooby-Doo franchise today. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, baby. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> no. <laughs> right before this episode started... Um, I, me and Hayden recited this TikTok that I'm sure you've probably seen, or it's a YouTube video or something, where people have been dressed, dressed up as the mystery gang for Halloween. They said all their iconic lines where it's like, zoinks, jinkies, um, rut row, and what am I missing? Fuck. <laughs> no. no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm missing one more. But then, then since Fred never actually says anything, uh, the person at the end who is Fred goes, <gasps> And so I did that before the episode. Like I just can't. Wesley still hasn't caught his breath from when we started this episode. I'm like, I recited the whole intro. I'm ready to go. Come on, you got to be perfect. No, Dude, okay. it's so good, man. It's so good because Fred has nothing except for his traps. Yeah, Fred also has his ascot too. And his ascot. Fred's iconic in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, spoiler warning for the whole Scooby-Doo franchise. We're going to be covering the terrible new Scoob 2020. We're going to be spoiling the live action ones, and we're going to be talking about our uh, our favorite direct-to-video ones. So we're pretty much going to be covering everything Scooby-Doo related today. So if you haven't seen the new Scoob movie, first off, I'd advise don't watch it. (laughs) If you haven't seen the new Scoob movie and you don't want spoilers for some reason, and you're actually interested to still go see it in theaters... Or on demand or whatever, then don't watch this. I guess this this episode feels like natural progression because I think I've been like shitting on Scoob like just in random episodes for and the now, last like now it's time now it's time now we're gonna actually talk about it now it's time to tackle the beast of Scoob but yeah no we're gonna be talking about Scooby Doo uh, we talk we'll talk a little bit about um, uh, a couple other cartoons and things that we love but to start off. What were some of your favorite cartoons as a kid growing up, Hayden? What did you watch? What was your Sunday morning cartoon go-to? I was um I was a SpongeBob kid. I was a Fairly Odd Parents kid. I loved um the animated Justice League show. Great. It was one of my favorites, man. I think that's sort of what got me into superheroes. I loved any iteration of Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe a couple out of them all that I don't love, but as a kid, I was like, yeah, give me pup named Scooby-Doo. Give me what's new Scooby-Doo. Give me Mystery Incorporated. Give me it all. Mm. Um, I could keep going. Fairly Odd Parents was fire. Yeah. I love all those ones. What about you? What are you, some of your favorite animated kids shows? Um, I My my favorite animated kids shows go back a little farther than yours do. I loved like the classic Spider-Man animated oh, cartoons. Yeah, that one, that I used great. to watch that a lot. Um, I watched like the Flintstones. I watched a lot of Looney Tunes. Um, I uh, I kind of liked the Hanna Barbera era with like Tom and Jerry and, and uh, the uh, Jetsons stuff like that. I watched a lot of that. My parents showed me a lot of older cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I think like one of my favorites growing up as a kid, obviously SpongeBob is on that list too. Um, but I vividly remember watching so much Jimmy Neutron, like a stupid amount of Jimmy Neutron. Dude, how did I forget Jimmy Neutron? Jimmy Neutron is in that weird like the uh, weird era of cartoons where they were starting to kind of figure out animation, but it was just still kind of a little weird. Um, and so I love that so much. And so I remember watching that a ton as a kid. Jimmy Neutron, 
how could we forget the greatest crossover episode of all time was the Jimmy Neutron of Fairly Odd Parent episode. So good, man. So good. That's a classic. And uh, Tom and Jerry, too. I forgot to mention that. I never, like, religiously loved Tom and Jerry, but that was definitely one of the other ones that was playing a lot in the background. And, I mean, since we're here right now talking about Tom and Jerry, we might as well mention that just recently a Tom and Jerry movie has been announced. A trailer's been put out. What are your thoughts on new Tom and Jerry? I didn't. I didn't understand any of those words. <laughs> I, I, I can't make it out. <laughs> you, um, no, I, I. It looks really bad. Yeah, it does not look good. Um, it. It seems like it's taking that approach where it's like a whole live action cast, and then Tom and Jerry are sort of just doing random shit in the background. Yeah, which is not a Tom and Jerry movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Pena is taking horrible roles right now. Why? He did um, the Dora movie, then he did Fantasy Island. And now he's doing the Tom and Jerry movie. Yikes. So, I mean, I'm hoping he gets it back on track, but I think he's found his new niche, and it's not good. Just bad movies. Yeah, man. Dude, he went from Ant-Man to, like, Dora. <laughs> yeah. I, when, when I watched the Tom and Jerry trailer, I kind of knew it was all downhill when a Tom and Jerry trailer started with Lizzo. Not that I have anything against Lizzo, yeah. but the fact that that song was there, I was like, oh, I know what this is. It's... I don't know. It's a, I like Tom and Jerry. I totally understand the meaning of like people just rebooting stuff because it's it's a it's smart easy. idea. It's easy. Um, but yeah, this kind of looks kind of dumb. It just kind of looks like oh, let's chuck Tom and Jerry back on the screen again, and they'll be running around doing crazy things, and um, they're oh, they're funny hijinks, and ooh, cat a cat gets hurt, and that's about it. <laughs> that's basically it. It's like. Tom hurts Jerry. Or wait, no. Which one's which? I forget the name. Jerry's the mouse. Tom okay. is the cat. Right. Um, Tom, basically all the scenes in the trailer are just him getting his hands it's, caught on things. It's or... literally like, it's literally like, oh, look, this mouse is in this hotel building and we have to get rid of him. But the cat gets beat the fuck up. And like, he's literally walking on a power line at one point, gets shocked, falls like 15 feet mm-hmm. to the ground. And, and dies essentially. <laughs> I want realistic. If if this was a realistic Tom and Jerry movie, I'd be happier with it. Where it's just <laughs> like one bad thing happens and Tom is dead. You want like a version <laughs> where Tom is actually a cat and Jerry yeah. is actually a mouse. They're using real animals. Exactly. And at once Tom dies, Jerry realizes the fragility of life. And uh and makes a uh, foundation in memory of Tom, uh, but the giant statue as it gets put up in <laughs> honor of Tom. Wesley, did you sleep all right last <laughs> no. night? No, <laughs> it, uh, it starts to break apart and out jumps Tom to uh, kill Jerry. Sure, and it was actually just a whole plot for Tom to kill Jerry. I like it. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a good script. I'll never understand how um, these studios are just like, yeah, throw $150 million at a 40-year-old cartoon and let's see if it works. And let's see if it happens. And it makes money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. It makes money. Yeah. Um, it's like Sonic. That was like one of those first ones where I was like, this is not horrible. No. I didn't hate Sonic, but then it looks like they're going straight back to that whole... I didn't hate Sonic either, but even when I watched the trailer, I was kind of excited for it. Tom and Jerry, I watched the trailer, and I'm not even remotely excited for it. No. I'm just going to see it so we can make fun of it. Exactly. I'm going to see it to say that I saw it. Uh, Before we fully get into Scooby-Doo, I feel like it's important that we mention, um, unfortunately, 
Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, the creators of Scooby-Doo for Hanna-Barbera, passed away, both of them, this year. And I feel like if we're going to do a whole episode covering the whole franchise, it's important to say, man, RIP to the Kings. They uh, inspired a lot of kids' childhoods. Scooby-Doo did a lot for so many generations of kids. It's not one of those things where, like, couple kids watched Scooby-Doo and they were like, yeah, it's cool to look back on. Like multiple generations of kids have grown up on Scooby-Doo and kids yeah. are still growing up on Scooby-Doo. And so these dudes absolutely uh, revolutionized the animated like cartoon or comedies, like Saturday morning cartoons. Shout out to these dudes for what they did for it. Yeah. Amazing. Like it's so awesome to have like such a long running uh, cartoon that you've created that just keeps staying relevant and popular and like kids nowadays even know about it and so it's so impressive and so amazing and uh i'm very thankful for what they did for my childhood me too r.i.p um so that kind of leads us into just the legacy that scooby-doo has had on kids the legacy of scoobert do <laughs> isn't that his real name uh, yeah it's scoobert isn't it? i think it's like i think he has a middle name too i can't remember what the middle name is but it's like scoobert do <laughs> that's, that's what we're calling him from now on <laughs> But yeah, it's uh the legacy of this show is not something that can be undermined. Like the amount of people who have watched Scooby Doo and are still watching Scooby Doo is just absolutely insane and it played a huge role in my childhood. I mean, all those movies and all the different T V shows I was almost always watching Scooby Doo. And it's one of those things where I'm such a horror fan and I can easily line up those dots where I see how I fell into that trap because mm-hmm. I was watching Dracula and they were pulling masks off of villains when I was a little boy, and I was like, yeah, okay, I like it. Yeah. I can see how it stuck. But, yeah, its impact on kids is absolutely nuts. And what's your favorite Scooby-Doo, like, IP or, or movie? Out of them all? Or Okay, let me reword that. Out of every single Scooby-Doo movie out there? Because there's, like, 55 There's, there's a something. lot. I do want to get into our favorite, like, those the direct-to-video ones at some point in this yeah. episode. But I guess, like, what was your primary, like, Scooby-Doo media as a kid? Like, out of all the, sh- or, like, a particular oh, so, like, show? when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I watched a lot of, like, the the original Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of where I started. Um, I totally watched a ton of those, like, direct-to-video ones, too. I remember sitting in my basement watching those. Um, and I guess then it was, like, I, I, w- I never really was into... Um, there was like an era where I fell off. It's like in the middle there where those uh where they kind of made those like uh like the spin-off live action Scooby-Doo ones and like Scooby-Doo like the one we were talking about earlier where it was um Scooby-Doo and all those guest stars. There's a there's a show that it's like actually still running, I think, uh where it's Scooby-Doo and like every episode they have some kind of guest celebrity. And so I kind of fell off in like that middle era. Um, but, like, my primary stuff was, like, the TV shows. Right. Like, Mystery Incorporated um, or, like, the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I think that was, like, my primary source. And I also watched a lot of the direct-to-video ones. Yeah. I mean, aside from the direct-to-video ones for me, I think the biggest one was probably Watch New Scooby-Doo. Um, as a kid, when I was watching... Which what, is... That's the one with the Simple Plan intro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of like, um, that one tonally is just really similar to like the original cartoons, mm-hmm. but just more modern. Yeah, yeah. That was the one where I think I got really into it, and then after that, it was all the direct-to-video movies that followed for me. Yeah, no, definitely. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, no, I watched the old ones 
the, like the original cartoons, and then I got to what's new Scooby Doo. Um, but yeah, I, there's so many like there's so much Scooby Doo stuff too. Like after, as while I was doing research for this, there is a absurd amount of Scooby Doo movies, TV shows, video games, crossover episodes. Like there is an insane amount. Um, there is no way I could list all of them off to you or ever have all of them memorized, but, like, it is absurd how many times Scooby-Doo has been used. I know. Like, the amount of IP, or, like, the amount of media that they've formed out of that IP is absolutely nuts. Like, there's, Insane. like, 40 shows and, like, 40 movies, and, like, it just doesn't end. It's nonstop, never-ending. As a kid, I never got to go to Disneyland or anything like that, mm. but what I did get lucky enough to do Canada's Wonderland, uh, it no longer exists as Hanna-Barbera Land now, but they had a kid's area uh, called Hanna-Barbera Land, and they mm. had all these, they had like a Flintston, or Flintston, Flintston. The Flintstons. <laughs> they had a they fl- live in- <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what it is. I think it's because we're literally going to be talking about Scooby-Doo for the next half an hour, mm-hmm. but I'm really giggly right now. Like, I just can't get over it. I don't know what's going on. Dude, did you have some Scooby snacks or something before <laughs> I think we started? I do. We are in for this. We are in We are uh, in for quite the ride. Yeah. So let me just say before we continue, row, row. I don't know. <laughs> but anywho. Um, when I, Hanna-Barbera when, Land. Yeah. So they had, the, they had the Flintstones, like, merry-go-round, and they had all these cool rides based on different um, Hanna-Barbera properties and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the best one. Was it was like those rides where like you get in a cart, kind of like the ones at Disneyland, like it's a like small the, world and stuff. Like the the haunted mansion ride. Yeah, because there was a gun mounted on the front. It was like a blaster. Oh, oh, so like the Toy Story ride, Toy Story Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a blaster on the front, and you're going through like a museum that was like themed with like all the Scooby Doo stuff. So there's all mm-hmm. the old Scooby Doo villains, and then they're popping up, and you have to blast them. But I just specifically remember like how much fun I had with that ride, and how long we waited in line for it every time. It was like. <laughs> Two hours just so I could blast some Scooby Doo villains, and I don't regret a single wait ever. Bro, amazing. But like that's one of the things for me where I felt really blessed because I love Disney. Sure, mm-hmm. never got the chance to go to Disney, but at least I got Scooby Doo Land. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I when I was a kid, I went to Disney. This is a funny. This is a funny thing. When I went to Disney, I was not a thrill seeker like I am today, and even today, I don't think I'm as much of a thrill seeker as the normal person. Um, so I was very like cautious about going rides. Like I never went on the Tower of Terror because when I went there, I was probably like eight mm-hmm. or ten or something. Right. And so I was like, "That's terrifying. No thanks." I went on the Epcot ride three times <laughs> because when we were, <laughs> I don't even know which place it is, but wherever has the Epcot ride. Uh, there were a couple rides there that were just my cousins went on them and it was too scary. I didn't want to go, so I went on the. I remember going on the Epcot ride like three times, and I, I don't know why. And I'm pretty sure they were all on the same day. As somebody who hasn't been to Disneyland, what is the Epcot ride? <laughs> the Epcot ride is like the most pitiful ride <laughs> in Disneyland. It's all about the advancements of technology. It's pretty much a historic ride. The reason why I went on the three times is because there was no line. No one was going in the Epcot ride. So I could just go as many times as I wanted to while everyone else did 
I remember doing Jurassic Park once, and then my cousins wanted to go on it again, and I was like, Epcot. <laughs> so, my man, your parents took you to Disneyland, and you went to a museum <laughs> three times in a row. Dude, I it was cool at the time. I was like a young kid, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do all these scary rides. Like, I didn't go on the rock and roller coaster. It sounded oh, too ca- crazy for me. Damn, man. Um, I did get drumsticks from the rock and roller coaster, though, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I went on the Epcot ride a couple times. It was a good time. Nice. I also, when we were at Disneyland, um, I remember we all had matching Disney shirts. It's a classic white family thing. You all get matching shirts for Disney so that no one loses each other, but we all know it's really just the pictures. And everybody has those Mickey Mouse the Mickey like, hats, hats with hats. the ears. Yep. Um, and so uh, I remember we had those outfits, and there was one time that we went to go uh like eat breakfast at uh I don't even remember what the place was called. Um but Mickey was there. And so we were there with all our Mickey shirts on. They all had a, a Mickey Mouse in the front. And I vividly remember Mickey like the mascot Mickey Mouse come out to us and be like, Oh my goodness, I love your shirt. He didn't say that. That's my Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> you had me thinking Mickey really just pulled up no. on you to compliment your shirt for a minute. I there. wish. Um, I was like one of the one of the waitresses were like, Oh, it's great shirts. Mickey would love those and then he came over and was like, Ah, oh, or whatever they do. Um, but I also vividly remember trying to did you ever see those autograph books? Yes. I, I remember my autograph book because I tried to get so many autographs. I loved it so much. I'd wait in the lines, see Lilo and Stitch or like Winnie the Pooh or whoever. And I would just like try to get as many autographs as I could. I didn't even care about getting a picture with them. I was like, autograph, thanks. Yeah, Lift. sign it, please. I don't care. Sign it I don't now. care to see you. Um, But also really quickly before we get off this uh, theme park rant, I want to talk about something that from my childhood that makes me slightly upset that I forgot to mention to you guys. When I so a couple uh, like a week or two ago, I went on a little vacation during my reading week. I went down to the tip of Nova Scotia to Yarmouth, um, and so we, uh, me and my girlfriend, drove on the what would that be? The East Coast? Yeah, the East Coast uh, on the way there, and then we went up through like Wolfville and that area on the way back. Um, and, uh, I, I feel like it's called Sandspit or something or, uh, Rainbow Haven, it's Rainbow Haven, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You- hey everyone, it's Wesley here. I just wanted to, uh, say this as I was editing, I realized I meant to be talking about Upper Clements Park, not Rainbow Haven when I'm talking about this amusement park here. Uh, just to clear things up for anyone who has no idea what I'm talking about, feel free to enjoy the rest of the episode. In Rainbow Haven, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Rainbow Haven is? You ever I, go to Rainbow Haven? I never Probably went. Not. No, I never went, but I do know it's kind of like a Nova Scotia staple. It is. So it was this Nova Scotia theme. It was like this theme park, essentially. Um, and it had a wooden roller coaster. There are not many wooden roller coasters anywhere anymore. Um, but the crazy thing about wooden roller coasters was it was literally like the thing that propelled you through the entire roller coaster was the first bump that you got taken up. Mm -hmm. And then the rest was just rickety, like the most rickety roller coaster ever. And it was like one bar that held you in and they were terrifying. But Rainbow Haven had a bunch of different attractions that you could go to. Um, and it was essentially like this park that you walked around and they had like a haunted house and like all these other things. Um, and I drove by it on my way back, not even realizing that, wow, this is Rainbow Haven. And so I look as we're driving and I'm like, that's a cool looking house. 
I wonder why it's all boarded up. I wonder why there's a big fence around this. Wait a minute. Is that a wooden roller coaster? Wait a minute. Is that a sign that says Rainbow Haven? I totally forgot that it got shut down and like there's nothing there anymore. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. It's heartbreaking. It's like a part of your childhood that you forget about. And then when someone mentions it, you're like, oh, I love that place. And like, oh, it's shut down. It's like, what? So the feeling you felt when you passed by a shut down Rainbow Haven is the same feeling I felt when I watched Scoob 2020. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's different. (laughs) Scoob Scoob is still being made. It's like watching your childhood be taken from you. It's, it's it's watching it driving by. You're like, what is that? Wait, Scooby Doo? Like I vaguely remember this, but this is not how I remember it. This is some like fever dream from my childhood. <laughs> oh man, it was it was sad because like there are things from our childhood that we remember and we're like, ah, oh, that's amazing, that's great. Like we were talking about Christmas movies, um, and I mentioned Muppets Family Christmas, and both of you and Morgan had never seen it and never heard of it, mm-hmm. and. It was like my quintessential childhood Christmas movie was that movie. Um, and I remember watching The Muppets so much. And so it's like, it's it's sad to think like, wow, these things that I remember from my childhood is like these amazing pivotal moments. No one cares about them anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's it's gone. It's like faded into the past. Yeah. Luckily, since Scoob has been made and Scooby-Doo's still happening, Scooby-Doo hasn't lost that. But it's it's sometimes sad to be like, oh, man. Childhood things, you know? Yeah, I mean... Sand spit from my uh, PEI people out there. Is that sand spit? I think that's PEI. Hopefully. Um, or Shining Waters. I don't even know if Shining Waters still exists. Sand spit and Shining Waters are so far apart. Is this the same thing? Or is this <laughs> No, two... they're different things. Okay, I was like, wait. Is it... They're two different things. I think sand spit got moved or something. Anywho, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, please hit me up. Yeah, like, kind of remember rambling. this with me. Um, because it's a part of our childhood that we can be like, hey... You know this thing? I kind of relate, man. Like in, in a far, it was when I was far younger, but like going back to what I was talking about, watching them tear down Hanna-Barbera Land sucked. Yeah. Because I was still going to Canada's Wonderland every year and then they just got rid of Scooby-Doo Land. Like they, they got rid of the Scooby-Doo ride. They got rid of all these crazy rides and I don't even remember what they replaced them with, but they were so abysmal. Like they, it was so lame what they replaced them with. Before we get back into Scooby-Doo really quickly, one other funny thing I want to mention that I just thought of. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I would go to Stuyak a lot. And at Stuyak, in Stuyak, there's this like Mastodon Ridge. Um, and it's where, at the moment, Coldstream Clear has set up their little distillery. Best um, alcohol out in Nova Scotia. Big facts. Um, shout out Coldstream Clear. Uh, you make amazing alcohol and I will drink it all the time. Um, also very excited for your eggnog. I love that stuff. Uh, um, <laughs> but... Uh, no, I wanted to talk about Mastodon Ridge. And so there used to be this interactive little tour you could go through um, talking all about the mastodons that they had found in Stuyak and, like, the mastodon fossils and all this stuff. Um, and sadly, that's been torn down. Uh, but it also used to have – there's still, like, a giant – I'm pretty sure there's still a giant mastodon on the top of that hill that you can see from the highway. Mm-hmm. There also used to be – a little Flintstones car and a Flintstones house right beside that Mastodon. I think I remember that. Super vague for no reason. It was there for no reason. Not a single reason at all. I remember going there as a kid and 
I bet you so many drug deals happened in that little house. <laughs> like, thinking back on it, I remember I always go in there and be like, oh, man, there's, like, gross coffee cups kicking around. And, like, the little TV that was there got smashed. And it's like, wow, this kind of – that sucks. And now thinking back on it, so many drug deals probably happened in that thing, man. Plugs, like, meet me at the Flintstone house. Bro, I – it's like – it's <laughs> imagine a drug dealer pulls up to your house – and all you hear in the distance is, um, uh, I got to put down my mic one second. All you hear in the distance is this. <laughs> this dude pulls up in the Flintstones mobile. <laughs> he, you do the trade and then all you, all you hear is this as he goes by. My new, or or the uh, the idea of a drive by in a Flintstones car. <laughs> oh man! I just, yeah, I just, I just, I just had a weird flashback remembering that weird random Flintstones car and house. I mean, that's a pretty. Uh, that's a childhood memory that would stick around for yeah, sure, especially exactly. if you watch the show. I'm noticing that we are 25 <laughs> minutes in and we've vaguely talked about Scooby Doo. We look. This is this isn't even like mainly Scooby Doo. This is like childhood childhood, childhood cartoons. cartoons. But um, but let's actually talk about Scooby Doo. All right, we've been uh, rambling about some random childhood topics. Actually, settle in and get into the topic of Scooby Doo. I think a good place for us to start, since we already briefly mentioned the cartoons that we grew up with and everything, mm-hmm. would be the direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies that were coming out like late 90s, early 2000s. Absolute classics. Absolute all, bops. All bangers. Like, banger after banger. But I wanted to do like a little top five ranking. I have mine. I don't know if you have yours. But I wanted to do a little top five of uh, the direct-to-video ones that mm-hmm. were like the best when we were when we were kids. So, my number one. Or I, actually, I should start at five, then go down to number one. Up to number one, you mean? Yeah, up to number one. I feel like my fifth choice is kind of like going to offend some Scooby-Doo fans because there's one that should obviously be here instead, but the childhood enemies, like, I got to give it to this one. What? My fifth one is Aloha Scooby-Doo. Really? Yeah. And here's why. I have not rewatched this movie for a very long time, okay? So I could watch this now and be like, this sucks. And I've heard that it's not a great Scooby-Doo movie. I remember it being not the best. I, see, I don't. That's the problem. <laughs> is I remember watching this movie and thinking it was like king shit. Like, I thought this movie was like... I, I, I replayed this one a lot. Like, we had the DVD for this one. <laughs> I'd be in the back seat. You know, those little, like, car yes, like, TV man. players that you'd stick to the, the parents' like, I seat? I used to watch Fraggles on that. <laughs> that. My number one played thing, though, was Aloha Scooby-Doo. 3. Wow. And it's not even, like, my favorite Scooby-Doo movie. It's just, I think there is something about, like, the tropical vibes, Scooby and Shaggy on surfboards. <laughs> it, w- it worked for me. Jeez. I know that I should be putting Alien Invaders here. I think... Yeah, I I that's I think that's where Alien Invaders goes for mine. I remember Alien Invaders, like, vividly. I had to acknowledge in my notes how, like, poor of a choice that is to put Aloha <laughs> Scooby-Doo above Alien Invaders, but... <laughs> I sat with it for a few minutes, and if I rewatched it, I'm sure Alien Invaders is far better. But talking Probably. talking strictly from nostalgia and uh, which movies I loved the most as a kid, Aloha Scooby Doo was a fun fun ride for me. Yeah. What's your 
your number five. I, I would put Alien Invaders as my number five. Yeah. I remember that one. I remember that one pretty well. Um, I remember watching it like multiple times. Um, I found the aliens' fingers were really weird because they were like they were these fingers, but on the end it was like this weird red circle. I don't mm-hmm. know. It kind of looked like suction cups. Very weird. I re- just remembered that. Um, but no, I remember liking that one a lot. And so I think I put that one at number five for me. I remember being really weirded out by like the plot twist at the ending of Alien Invaders that like <laughs> the aliens were like the girl and the dog that Scooby and Shaggy had been with the whole movie. Yeah. I found that very jarring as a kid. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if like the foreshadowing went over my head or something, but I was like, what is going on? What I, is happening? I thought Shaggy had a, had a love life going on and then no. boom, alien. <laughs> so that's maybe why it's number six for me. But uh, number four would be, for me, Scooby-Doo and the Legend of the Vampire. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, you put that at number four? Yeah. We're, mm. Okay, I'll ask you where you drank it later. Mm. But for me, that one's number four because it's got some, some great Hex Girl vibes. It's not the best Hex Girl Scooby-Doo movie, but it's got some fun Hex Girls vibes. And, uh, and I just, I really liked the whole, like, there was, like, three villains, and they all wore different vampire masks. And I, I, felt, I found mm. that one to be really fun. And then you have Tre- uh Tread. Then you Tread. Have, <laughs> then you have Fred doing his typical like net trap thing that he's always nice. obsessed with is using nets. That's how they get him in this one. Mm-hmm. That's classic Scooby Doo to me right there. Um, and the music in this one just slaps. Mm. But um, there is a better Hex Girls Scooby Doo movie, and it's higher on my list. But this one is is pretty great. See, I don't remember this other Hex Girls movie that you are talking about. I don't remember this second one. Um, but fourth for me is. Actually, what is it? Yeah, Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost. You remember that one? That's the other Hex Girls one I was just talking about. That's the other Hex Girls one. Yeah. Oh, then never mind. Wait a minute. Scratch mine. I'm gonna put that one higher because I remember liking that one. Um, let's let's put a. Uh, I guess I, I'll agree with you. Uh, I because I thought that Witch's Ghost was a totally different one. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that's the second uh, Hex Girls one. So actually, no, I know now. I understand now. Is the second Hex Girls one the one with the song, or is that, that the first one? That's the second one. Okay. Then I agree with you. That's the vampire one. I will put, I will put uh, the vamp, I'll put the Hex Girls one with no song, the one you were just talking about. I'll put that at number four. Because um, I, I liked both the Hex Girls ones, um, but I remember the Witch's Ghost being a better one. I forgot that the Hex Girls were in it, though. Yeah, they pop up a lot, like a lot more than I think our childhood brains like lead us to remember. Mm-hmm. They're pretty recurring throughout these like VOD movies in specific. Is like whether they pop up to like serve some sort of purpose in the plot, or whether they pop up to sing a song and end the movie. Yeah, exactly. They would typically make some sort of appearance, and I remember. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Hex girls were like my first crush. Dude, dude, are we gonna get into this right now? Right before we continue, I just need to say. As a kid, yeah, man, Hex Girls were like... The I Hex was, Girls did something to me. They yeah. put a spell on me, they I'll tell spe- you that much. Yeah, they did, man. <laughs> nah, yeah, definitely. Like, Hex Girls, Velma, and Daphne were, like, some of my first childhood crushes. Like, because everyone's childhood crushes come from cartoons. You cannot even lie. You can't tell me you did not have a crush on Lola Bunny in Space Jam. Yeah. Because I totally true. did. It's true. <laughs> I was, like, putty in her hands. Um, <laughs> my girlfriend thinks I'm nuts for having all these like childhood, like cartoon characters. Where I was like, yeah, I loved them when I was a kid. They were really, 
found them really attractive when I was six years old. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't find that that weird. What, you're only watching cartoons. Obviously. It is. If, if you ask any anyone like where their some of their childhood crushes came from, I sure assure you, so you'll get a couple like animated. Uh, things because I, that's literally like what we grew up on. That was like our first representation of like, uh, in like media, I guess, of women and men too, obviously. <laughs> um, but like, and which is which can sometimes be really bad because a lot of the times in like, uh, in older cartoons, women were always portrayed as like these skinny figured hourglass shape, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I, I have so many childhood crushes from. Uh, cartoons. Like I never watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but if I did, Jessica Rabbit, Jessica Rabbit, I would have been like, ah. yeah, man. My thirteen-year-old brain would have like melted. My girlfriend judges me for having a childhood crush on Daphne. I bet you she was into SpongeBob. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. These, I don't know. These are the I'd probably go with like Fred. I don't know. Not a sentient sponge from. The, yeah, that, from the scene. that was really an insult. I like dug deep into some animosity there. Pulled that one out. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet my girlfriend liked uh, coward, uh, courage the cowardly dog or something. You know, judging me for like in Daphne. I, she's out here like an Ed, Ed, and Eddie. And, uh, come on. No, there's. Uh, yeah, no, there's so many like Scooby Doo, Daphne, Velma, Sparks, some of my childhood crushes. I'm not yeah, gonna lie. facts. Um, so my number third pick on the Scooby Doo VOD list would be actually Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost, the one we were just talking about. Okay. The other Hex Girls movie. It's a bit better than the vampire one for me, mm. and I also love um, Tim Curry is amazing in this movie. Like, did you know Tim Curry's in it? No. He plays like the main villain, like the oh, really? the warlock dude who's trying to like summon the witch mm-hmm. back from the dead, the one who Velma has a whole thing with. Yeah, iconic man. Like the fact that they got Tim Curry out here being the big villain. I'm like, yo, that's the OG Pennywise. Yeah. So, yeah, he's really good in it, and I really just love the whole vibe of this one mm-hmm. and and the plot twist. I love when Scooby Doo is able to pull a plot twist that's like actually like affects you, where you're like, True. oh wow, like I didn't see that coming, and maybe I didn't see it coming because I was. A seven-year-old kid. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I also think that Witch's Ghost, when we're talking grand scheme Scooby-Doo, is, like, one of the best mysteries. Because it's all yeah. about, like, the history books, and, like, it's, like, got some Salem Witch Trials vibes to it. It's mm. really cool. That's number three for me. I My list sadly continues in the same way yours does, where mm-hmm. I, I also put that one at number three. I feel like two and one for us are going to be different. Yeah. But I'll put that one at number three as well, because I, I remember really liking that one, and they got a rocking song, and... Just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Number two, I feel like this is where we actually will have some change. And this one was where things got really hard for me mm. because I know that as a kid, number two was my number one. But oh, looking really? looking back now, I think it's shifted a bit. But my mm. number two is Scooby Doo and Cyber Chase. Nice. Um, that was my favorite Scooby Doo thing ever. Mm-hmm. I really loved the way that like, I found that blue electric villain. He was scary. So cool, right? He was intimidating. He was really cool. Uh, I love the way that they like transported through like they went to Rome and they were in Colosseums and then like it was just it was all over the place. They went to the moon and I found that this was like the definition of a Scooby-Doo adventure. You get an awesome joke in that movie. Uh, I think it's that one at least. Um, It might be a different one. But one of the characters, um, she goes, "Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, 18. So now I'm legal to vote. (laughs) <laughs> uh, ooh, wow! <laughs> so it's like it's like a yee. Um, 
But you know that's going that's one for the parents. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> ones for the parents throughout the entire franchise. Yeah. Um, I think my number two is Ghoul School. Okay. Absolute banger! That movie was so good, man. Yeah, because that was that wasn't Mystery Gang. That was only Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy too. Scrappy was in that one. Um, but Ghoul School was great. I love that one so much. Um. It's got a great cast of characters. I think there's a Ghoul School too. I think there's a second one as well. Really? Um, but the original Ghoul School, I remember as a kid, classic. I absolutely loved it. The problem for me is I don't actually remember Ghoul School enough. I think I need to give that one a rewatch. Ghoul School's so good. I really liked that one, but I think I watched that one a little bit younger than I watched the rest, so it just didn't stick with me the same way. Mm-hmm. But I did really like that one from what I remember. So, What's number one for you? What's my number, number one. one? The, and as a horror fan, I guess this one should be fairly obvious. Yeah. But my number one Scooby-Doo VOD movie, and I think this is a lot of people's number one, Zombie Island. Yeah. That movie is Scooby-Doo at its like most like boundary pushing, I find. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think it kind of served as a bit of a reboot because it had they had a couple rough years with Scooby-Doo through it, whether it was TV or movies, and then they did Zombie Island. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first mystery where it wasn't some dude wearing a mask. Yeah. Where, like, they couldn't be like, oh, let's set a net and then pull their face off. And then, oh, you meddling kids. Like, this was the first one where shit got serious. Mm -hmm. Like, Scooby and Shaggy are running for their lives from zombies. And, like, there's these evil, mean cat women who are putting curses on the whole island. And it's, like, very different from, like, the regular Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah. And I remember being scared from that one. That Mm -hmm. was the first one where I was like, okay, Scooby-Doo fucked me up. Like, I I was scared of that one. And I rewatched it uh, actually a couple years ago, and it's still kind of scary. I remember watching it a long time ago. I barely remember it, though. Really? It like, I barely remember it. Holds up very well, and it's another one of those Scooby-Doo ones where the twist works. Because mm-hmm. when you find out, like, oh shit, this is not some dude in a mask, it's so late into the movie, and it's, like, played very intimidating. Like, they're, mm-hmm. it's scary. I mean, scary for a kid in that sense. Yeah. But, yeah, this was the first Scooby-Doo movie where I was like, all right, I've been affected by it, and mm. I've just remembered it ever since, and for that reason, it's got to take that number one spot for me. My number one is your number two, Cyber Chase. Mm-hmm. Cyber Chase is fucking amazing. Yeah, man. So good. Like, from the enemy, like, enemy's so cool, to, like, the music, which is all that crazy early 2000s, like, um, cyber futuristic, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, so good, and... The fact that they traveled to a bunch of places, and this was also, if you've ever noticed the animation, this movie kind of looks a little different. It's like it's. I love the different animation style to it. It's like it's almost this slightly darker style of animation. Where it, it, when I say darker, I mean like aesthetically darker. It's not like those vibrant colors that we're used to. I find, um, but I just absolutely love this movie. I don't. Remember, I remember loving it as a child. And I'm sure if I watched it again today, I would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Honorable mentions, though. I One honorable mention. I never watched this one, but Scooby-Doo had a, uh, had a movie with Kiss, the band. I wish I saw that. That sounds absolutely wild. Um, there's also, like, some other crazy ones that I've never seen. Uh, and there, there's, like, lots of Scooby-Doo movies. Like we said, well, like I said, there's a ridiculous amount of Scooby-Doo movies there's like two Scooby Doo Lego movies. Uh, I'm watching. I'm like reading through the list of them now. There's just there's so much stuff. There's a Scooby Doo movie with Bobby Flay. 
Like, there's a ridiculous amount. Um, but yeah, my honorable mention is the Scooby-Doo Kiss movie because I'm pretty sure at the end of that movie, the band Kiss um, uses all their instruments to create a spaceship and a portal to hell. Amazing. Or something. I don't know. Uh, pretty wild, though. Pretty crazy. I love it. I think honorable mentions for me, I have, um, I have two in particular. I really like... Or actually, I got three. Okay. Honorable mentions for me would be Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, yeah. That one's got its flaws, but as a kid, I always thought Loch Ness Monster was really cool. Loch Ness Monster was cool. To see Scooby-Doo in a Loch Ness Monster movie, that was all I needed. Mm-hmm. I can't speak on the quality of it because I haven't rewatched <laughs> it, but I liked it as a kid. Um, another one that I actually know that I like is Scooby-Doo and Werewolf. Oh, I remember that one, too. That one was going to be on my list, but uh, it just didn't make it. When Shaggy turns into a werewolf? Yeah. That one, to me, I was like, I felt the stakes in that. I was like, all right, this is it. If Shaggy doesn't get turned back into a human, we don't have any more Scooby-Doo movies. Exactly. So I was like... (laughs) Add stakes. Yeah, exactly, man. I was like, listen, I can't let this man become a werewolf. I need Mm -hmm. to help. So, yeah, that's definitely one of them. And Scooby-Doo, Where's My Mummy? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. In Egypt was a really cool one because Velma was kind of the villain in this one. Mm-hmm. And not like villain in the sense where she was like evil and pulling the strings, but like she staged this whole mystery to like drive tourism away from Egypt. Exactly. And Velma like dressed up like Cleopatra. It was it was weird, but I remember really liking that and thinking um I think anytime Scooby-Doo did something really different is when it worked for me. Yeah. The most. Those are my honorable mentions for sure. Mm-hmm. Those VOD ones are great, man. They're classics. They're not the greatest, but they are classics. And you do get some awesome ones like Cyber Chase out of there. Like the, the Hex Girls. The third awesome. act of Cyber Chase is like great. So good. In, in the arcade and everything. It's like so good. Great. So switching the vibe mm. of the conversation to a uh, little more of an R-rated direction. The live action Scooby-Doo, some of the best Scooby-Doo movies out there. It's a controversial take, or controversial take, but one that I'm willing to agree with. Dude, like you cannot lie to me if you th- if you think that the live action ones are not some of the best Scooby-Doo out there. I agree. Um, James Gunn is the writer of these. Amazing, James Gunn, such a great choice. I mean, this was like way before Guardians of the Galaxy and this, all that stuff. This was before really anything. All James yeah. Gunn had done in his career essentially was write like really edgy stuff. You know what Toxic Avenger is? It sounds very familiar. It's like a B movie or like a C movie. Like it's very low budget mm. and it was like really corny, but it was kind of like a horror movie. And it's this own thing that's it's become really popular in a certain sense, but also like not at yeah. all. But James Gunn, I think, helped work on stuff like that for like a studio called Troma before he got the studio uh, Scooby-Doo thing. And when mm-hmm. they gave him Scooby-Doo, he had envisioned it as an R-rated movie meant for the people who originally grew up with Scooby-Doo. So he wanted to yeah. make a movie for all the kids who are now 30 years older and have kids watching new animated Scooby-Doo movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a pretty good example of studio interference really fucking with something that could have been, like, great. Like, not, oh, to, yeah. not to say that these movies aren't good on their own. They stand mm-hmm. on their own. But James Gunn, if he had gotten to go full R-rated with it, like Scooby and Shaggy are stoners... And it's all a parody and satire so of teenage movies like American Pie and stuff. I was like, yes, I would absolutely be in on that. And um, I think people are too mean on these movies. Like online, the reception is not what I thought it was. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's got a, a following and a fan base like us. But there's a lot of people who just view these movies as kind of trashy 
And I just, well, I totally get they that. Are, they, they are. They are so trashy. But that's what makes them so good. Yeah. Because, like, like Fred constantly being like, all right, gang, let's come up with a plan. No one would actually do that in real life. But it's fun to see it, it like actually be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do want to say, though, I also would have loved to see them be these already movies. But now that I think about it, it's probably a good thing. Because if they were already movies, I wouldn't have been able to watch them as a child. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm very, I'm very happy that they... I'm happy and sad because I would have loved to see an R-rated movie of Scooby-Doo. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to watch it as a kid. Yeah. So The problem with these is, though, like... It's like they never really came to like a, a 50-50 split mm-hmm. because this movie's still pretty R-rated. I say they the would one. come to a 50-50 split. They did come to a 50-50 split. Um, and I remember as a kid some of the jokes that were – that are uh, like not the most appropriate did go over my head. But some of them still stuck. Yeah. Like when um, – when Shaggy is in Daphne's body, is it Shaggy or is that Fred? It's Fred. And when Daph- Fred's in yeah. Daphne's body and he looks down, like, come on. And then he literally goes, nice. Yeah, he goes, nice. And throughout the entire next scene, Daphne's just, like, feeling herself up. Yeah. He's, she's, like, rubbing her waist and, like, putting her hands between her legs and stuff. I'm like, ooh, goodness, Bro. man. But, like, yeah, I guess they did come to, like, a split in the sense where kids aren't going to notice that this is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But as a parent, like if I was watching this movie with my kid, I'd have pretty wide eyes. Like, yeah. There's some jokes in here that like are very blatant. I mean, you know, as a kid, you're not going to understand that Shaggy's girlfriend is named Mary Jane for a specific reason. Exactly. And she's ditzy in an airhead. Yeah. Exactly. And then and then you have that scene. Me and you brought this up earlier when when uh, we were talking about inappropriate scenes from the live actions. But the scene where Shaggy's walking like a, a, I think it's like a red carpet. Yeah, this is from the second live action one, uh, Monsters Unleashed. And he's he's walking a lot uh, a, a red carpet, and he looks over at a group of like hippie looking stoner kids, and he goes, "No, he doesn't look over at them. No, he smells them. <laughs> right? <laughs> he can smell them. He goes." And then he sees them, and they're all like, "Yeah!" He's like, yeah. "Yeah!" In the in the thoughts, it's like, "Oh, he can smell the food that they love." Yeah, for the kids, but for us, it's like, and "What he's been smoking." That's basically how they play off all the stoner jokes. Is like their food jokes. Exactly. Like, there's also the scene where um they're cooking on the grill in the mystery machine on the beach mm-hmm. and somebody knocks on the door and they open the roof and let all the smoke out and he's like shaggy's like come on scoob get the food and let's scram and i'm like you know what now that i think about it those have oh wait no that was from the first one that's mm-hmm. from the first one right okay anyway sorry for forget i had to go with next to that yeah i find people are just kind of too mean to these movies in the sense where like no they're not perfect and they're not even really close mm-hmm. to perfect but they are so much fun, and they also really understand these characters. Like, the, the live actions really do get what makes Mystery Inc. work. Mm-hmm. And it, it's played for a far more, like, ridiculous, like, over-the-top effect here. But, like, um, I was watching a video about it, and they really do recreate the energy of that original cast. Or, like, oh, the yeah. original characters very well. Mm-hmm. To the point where it kind of feels, like, sort of, like, nostalgia-baiting at moments. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, so, like, spot-on. To, like, the vibe of Scooby-Doo. See, it's interesting um, because when you compare... When you look at this movie and you look at Scoob, the new movie, one of the big issues I've heard about Scoob is it's, like, um, the rest of the gang aren't even in it. Like, they're barely in it, right? Mm -hmm. 
But then you look at this movie, and yes, the gang are split up from Shaggy and Scooby, but they still have their own thing they're doing. Like, that's what makes these movies so good. It's because the gang splits up, but the gang are still doing their own things, and it's fun to see um, Daphne go absolutely crazy on a dude and, like, karate chop him the next century. Or to see, like, um, Velma like pulling a book on a bookcase and like a secret door opens. I literally am pretty sure that happens. It does. Um, yeah. Um, and so it, those are like the fun, exciting things to see. Cause you're like, yeah, Shaggy and Scooby are awesome, but I want to see the rest of the gang too. And so that's what makes these movies great is. Yeah. The casting is so great. The too. casting like, is fantastic. I feel like one of the most underappreciated characters in this movie, a lot of people are always like, yeah, Matthew Lillard is great as Shaggy, which Yes, mm-hmm. he is pretty much my definitive Shaggy when I think of Shaggy, yeah. Matthew Lillard. But I feel like a, an actor who really doesn't get enough credit in this movie is actually Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred. Yeah, he Fred is like one of the, I think he's one of the other best characters, I think. He completely nails like the ego and just like absolute um, narcissistic nature of that character. Totally. It's, it's amazing. I know there's one scene where they're trying to blend in and they start dancing. Um, and <laughs> everyone notices that they, it's not them. And he, Fred just keeps dancing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Or some stuff like that. He's great. I love him. There's, there's the part where all, like when all their souls get removed from their body later toward the ending of the first movie, mm-hmm. there's a part where Shaggy picks up Fred's head and he says something and Fred's just like, yeah, but you know, I'm still the best looking ectoplasma here. Right. <laughs> and it's like that pretty much sums up Fred as a character <laughs> in this so movie. Good. He's so full of himself. And, uh. Like, when he's on the airplane, he's reading his own book. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just little things like that that completely nail, like, that character. Yeah. The live-action ones are, for me, just so much fun. And it's so, so easy good. to look at their flaws and be like, oh, they would have been better if James Gunn had full creative uh, range. And sure, they may have been better. But it's like you said, they wouldn't have had any impact on kids. Exactly. And I know these movies are ridiculous, but they uh, they do mean a lot to me when I think of Scooby Doo, and I'm glad I got to watch them growing up. Because had he gotten his R-rated Scooby Doo, I would have been watching them like five or six years ago. Exactly. So, and even then, I think if I watched them five or six years ago, I would have been like, "Man, this is awesome." Yeah. Um. But no, I agree. It's kind of those movies are so uh such a huge part of my uh, Scooby Doo childhood, and so. I absolutely love them. No matter what people say, people are like, oh, it's stupid. It's campy. It's like, yeah, but it's fun. Scooby-Doo is campy. Dude, we get the only live-action Scrappy-Doo in that movie. I wanted to ask you about this. Bro, okay, will you ask me? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to mention the scene where he literally pisses on the windshield. (laughs) Dude, he just starts pissing in the (laughs) mystery scene. At the beginning of the, or like when they're talking, they're like talking about their history with Scrappy Doo. He just jumps up on the dash and he goes, "Puppy power!" and he starts peeing on the on the, or maybe it's on Daphne. I don't know. He starts peeing on something. It is on Daphne, I believe. Yeah, if I remember. It, oh, it's so good, man. So what I wanted to ask you about is Scooby Doo extremists, like people who really, really love Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. are upset that Scrappy Doo ends up being. Or not, uh, not like upset like it's a thing right now. But I noticed online a lot of people who like really, really love Scooby Doo are like, "Why is Scrappy the villain?" I'm like, 
do you really care about Scrappy Doo that much? Yeah, no, no one cares about Scrappy Doo that much. He's the weak link, and I think it was actually a really smart choice to make him the villain. It's a great choice because all here's the thing about Scrappy Doo's character: he's all about like, let me at him, I got him, I can do it. But he's like tiny, and so everyone's like, no, um, don't do that. Like, let's run. So it's a great idea that he would become the villain because he's probably so tired of people not thinking that he can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Or to people thinking that he can't do anything. Yeah. Um. And I think it was an awesome choice. Like, who cares about Scrappy Doo that much? I know. He's great in uh, Ghoul School. Um. He's a great character in that. He really pulls together the team in in uh, Ghoul School. Um. But having him as the villain, turning into a giant monster, who's like, "Who's tiny now?" Yeah. And then. Ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I think it's great. I guess if you're a kid who grew up with, like, the dynamic of Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy and really liked that, I could see how that might be kind but of like, jarring. But Scrappy isn't even in it that much. No, and, I mean, Scrappy is pretty much, like, a, a joke character. Yeah, he's just an extra character. I don't even know why he was created. But... Yeah, I actually do. They created Scrappy because ratings got really bad, and they were afraid they were going to get canceled. So they made Scrappy, and (laughs) apparently that did good things for him. Wow, Scrappy saved the ratings? Scrappy-Doo saved Scooby-Doo. Wow. Okay, maybe he needs a little more credit than uh, I give him. Yeah, but I just found them using him as a villain is, is really funny, and I read somewhere online that Tim Curry left this, like, another Tim Curry uh, Scooby-Doo appearance, mm-hmm. he was going to be in this live-action movie, and he was replaced by, um what's his name? Mr. Bean. Yeah. But um uh, Ro- Rowan Atkinson. Rowan right? Atkinson, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. So I know that Tim Curry was supposed to play that role, and he left the movie because of Scrappy in the script. <gasps> and I'm like, okay, no. so you, you've got your weak link, man. Like, that's where you go, okay, if Tim Curry leaves our movie because of Scrappy-Doo, maybe it's okay to turn him into the villain, right? And yeah, um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about about these live actions before we move on and end the episode off with uh, Scoob. I, we don't even got to talk about Scoob that much. <laughs> no, exactly. But one of the other things I wanted to ask you is which live action Scooby-Doo movie do you like more? The first or the second? The first. The first? It's Spooky Island or whatever it is. See, I'm actually the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I like the first one more, but I've noticed so many, like, Scooby-Doo, like, diehards online are like, Monsters Unleashed is better. Monsters Unleashed, I will say, does carry those classic Scooby-Doo vibes more because they've got the a lot of the classic villains. Um, it's kind of the same story of, like, the gang breaks up and gets back together, that kind of thing. Um, but I the reason why I like the first one so much is the aesthetic of like spooky island please let me go to spooky island i want to go i wish that place was real give me a plane ticket if that's the only place that's covid free right now take me i know <laughs> take me there i'd go to spooky island and deal with scrappy Doo before i deal with another wave two it looks so awesome do you see something like the crazy haunted rides the four wheelers they drive like um all the cool like crazy masks and stuff oh, it looks so awesome man and so i like spooky island for the aesthetic of spooky island me too and i'm waiting for some businessman to realize the absolute amount of cash that would be coming his way if he made this into a real place jeff bezos buy an island man do it man you i know you got a ton of money already but it would make you even more money come on bill gates cop spooky someone, island someone someone elon elon you hear us <laughs> come on man Elon, if you buy an island just to make Spooky Island, that would be amazing. And I hope that your uh, first spaceship to colonize uh, Mars 
is called uh, the Mystery Ink Machine. I feel like if anybody was to make a real life Spooky Island, it would be Elon. Not not. Oh yeah, it Jeff would be Bezos. Elon. It'd be Elon for sure. Totally be Elon. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean we kind of already talked about Scoob in another one of our podcasts. Um, but I mean, do you? How much do you have to say? Do you want to talk about Scoob a little bit? I got some stuff to say about Scoob. All right, say a couple things about Scoob then. Uh, you haven't watched it. No. Okay. And I won't. So when the trailer for this came out, I, I, here wait. Here's why I won't watch it. It's not because it's not because they got a new voice actor for Scooby. Or Shaggy. Dude, you don't need to tell me. It's not because it's not because it's not the same. It's only for the the only fact is um Oh crap. This would have been funnier if I remembered his name. <laughs> who plays Dick who, Dastardly? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dick Dastardly got me. <laughs> um who's uh Oh, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, on the, he's Blue Falcon. That's the only thing. That's the only reason why I won't watch the movies. Because Mark Wahlberg's Blue Falcon. I probably should have let you finish your sentence before I was like, Dick Dastardly? <laughs> Bro, Dick Dastardly took me out of it. <laughs> okay, we'll give ourselves a minute. Yeah. Where were we? <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> we were... Uh, you were just about to start talking about Scoob. You hadn't okay. really said anything. I just kind of like stopped you because I was like, wait, you want to know why? Okay. Scoob is just the worst, man. Like, I don't even know how to sugarcoat it for you. I don't even know how to, to put it nicely for this movie because it is pretty much the worst take on Scooby-Doo ever. Yeah. They miss all the points about like what works about Scooby-Doo. I have in, in my notes, I have a couple, three big ones that when I say this to you, you'll be like, this is not a Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. First off, every movie studio now is so desperate to start a cinematic universe. And it's to the point now where they're not even taking universes that are worth having cinematic universes. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo is great as Scooby-Doo. And then for some reason, someone at Warner's was like, what if this was just a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe? What if we just opened up the doors and used Scooby-Doo as like the Iron Man to the MCU. It's really stupid. And essentially off the bat, this movie fails at being a Scooby-Doo movie immediately by not being a Scooby-Doo movie. Mm -hmm. It's like got Scooby and Shaggy and it's got Fred, Daphne and Velma, but it also has like Blue Falcon and like all these weird Hanna-Barbera characters that aren't even the popular ones. No, like of all the characters, Blue Falcon. If you were going to do a team up, or like a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe, I would have liked Scooby-Doo and the gang being transported through time and having to solve a mystery at the Flintstones. You know what I mean? Like if, Yeah, something like that. If you really want to do it. Like when, when I first saw this trailer, I actually thought it looked promising because the animation is the one thing I'll give this movie credit for. It's really good. Mm. That's it. Is the animation is really good. Ooh. It's, it's pretty. The colors pop. It's super neon looking and it, mm. it's got the colors and the vibe of a Scooby-Doo movie. But like... It fails on every other level because you've got Simon Cowell making a 2020 movie appearance. Simon Cowell. He's like serves the plot. Like he's literally what causes the conflict between Scooby, Shaggy, and the Mystery Inc. Simon Cowell calls Scooby and Shaggy out and says that they're not necessary on the team. And then they feel insecure. So they go like Simon Cowell starts this adventure. You want to know? I hate it. You want to know a better Simon Cowell uh, cartoon? Shrek? Yes! (laughs) 
Shrek! The bonus DVD you could you could pick one um, fairy tale idol or whatever it was, bro. So much better. He's actually funny in that. He's he is. But it's like here they were like, okay, 2020, give me a name, give me a celebrity. Simon Cowell. Who picked Simon Cowell, man? <laughs> like, I would have liked if Gordon Ramsay was the person. That would have been better. That would have been funny. Like they go to a restaurant because they're food addicts and. They piss off Gordon Ramsay, and then Fred gets embarrassed at Scooby and Shaggy and yells at them. Boom. Yo, I know. You know what I would have loved? You know what needs to happen now? Is I need a, a Scooby-Doo a movie where Gordon Ramsay says that Scooby snacks are disgusting. Oh. And then it's a bake-off between Scooby and Shaggy and <laughs> Gordon Ramsay on who can make better Scooby snacks. Hey, Hanna-Barbera, you hear us over Yo, here? hey, y'all. Y'all listening? I, I've already given you, like, two movie plots in yeah. this one episode. <laughs> uh. The other thing about Scoob that really fails is they completely abandon the element of a mystery. There is none. There is none. There is a villain named Dick Dastardly. I'm okay. You're good? I'm okay. Last time I said Dick Dastardly, we had to take a two-minute break from the episode because Wesley lost it. No, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> at least part of it, at least. Keep it, yeah. But they completely abandon a mystery. Off the bat, you have this villain named Dick Dastardly, who's trying to get Scooby-Doo for some plot. I guess the mystery would be what Dick Dastardly needs Scooby-Doo for, but there's no mm-hmm. villain who's, like, causing chaos and they have to try and uncover who it is. Well, that's what the mystery's all about. Exactly. And very quickly after he wants to kidnap Scooby-Doo, you find out almost immediately why. And mm-hmm. it is very stupid, okay? Brace yourself for this because I legitimately laughed out loud when I was watching the movie, okay? Dick Dastardly wants to kidnap Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo is a descendant of Cerberus, the three-headed dog who guards the gateways of hell. And he needs Scooby-Doo's paw print to open the gateways of hell and unleash Cerberus on the world so he can create, and I quote, a dog apocalypse. Ruh-roh. Zoinks. <laughs> Zoinks. Jinkies. Yeah, man, it's the most... That's bad. And it, the thing is, that's not going to work for any adult, because that's a stupid plot. Yeah. And it's not going to work for a kid, because no Cause kid... no kid knows who Cerberus no, is. And no kid wants to know, or understands why this dude wants to start a dog apocalypse. I don't even think a kid would know what the word dog apocalypse means. Wait, did they call it a dog apocalypse yes. in the movie? Yes. Oh, my goodness. That is just poor writing. There's a line. You know why? Why? Because why would they just not... Take off the A and call it Apocalypse. Uh, like a dog. That's way better. It's so much better. Okay, whoever wrote this movie, disgrace. Get, get out of here. Work on your pun game and come back to me when you've uh, gotten better. Yeah, man. And You're going to get punished for that one. <laughs> oh, no. We started a pun train. Oh, no. It's happening. <laughs> the, the other thing about this movie, and I, I would not recommend this movie to anyone. I would not recommend it. Okay, if I was to recommend it to anybody, it'd be kids. Like, kids with no attachment to Scooby-Doo. Like, you're going to play this for your kid randomly. No, I wouldn't even do that because then they have a bad assumption on what What Scooby-Doo is. Yeah, and it it completely just butchers the material. And I'm not saying Scooby-Doo isn't allowed to be, like, to do out their plots. Like, I mean, we already did our top five VODs, and half of my favorite ones are ones where there's not some dude wearing a mask. Ones where it's, like, some actual thing going down. But the problem with this is there's no mystery to it. It's just like you have Dick Dastardly and he's evil and he wants to start a dog apocalypse and he needs the descendant of Cerberus 
Scooby-Doo himself to do it. Jeez. The worst part of this, though, and we brought this up briefly just to finish off this trash movie. The worst part about Scoob is it's complete ignoral of how... Or ignoral. That's not a word. Ignorance. Yeah. It's complete ignorance to what works the most about Scooby-Doo, which is the mystery ink, man. Yeah. You need this team. It's not as good when it's just Scooby and Shaggy. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the things that these studios have thought that people might be feeling is like, oh, if I get a Scooby and Shaggy movie, that's perfect. I don't want that. They're want great. The team. They're great with the team. It's the whole squad that we fell in love with as kids. And this movie does those other three characters, Fred, Daphne, and Velma, so dirty. Mm. They are in the first scene and they're in the first 10 minutes where you see them as kids, which is like maybe the only other positive of the movie aside from the animation is like seeing them as kids. Mm-hmm. But we've seen that before. Yep. Um, so right after the first scene, you pretty much get that fight scene like right after that. And then they go separate ways. They're basically gone for the next 30 minutes of the movie. They pop back up to look for Scooby and Shaggy. So they go looking for Scooby and Shaggy, and then right as they go looking for Scooby and Shaggy, Dick Dastardly kidnaps them, gone for another 30 minutes of the movie, and then they show up in the third act for like 15 minutes. Oh. So there is probably like 25 to 30 minutes of Mystery Inc. screen time, and then like the rest of the movie, Scooby Shaggy with Mark Wahlberg. It's, um... Scooby, Sh- yeah, the adventure I always wanted. Scooby, Shaggy, Mark Wahlberg, and Ken Jong. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's the voice of the dog. Is he really? Yeah, that's him. Um, but yeah, no, it, it sounds ridiculous. I won't watch it. Yeah, it it's um a complete betrayal to what I feel fans love about that franchise. I it's like a backhand to the face. Oh, and it's like somebody took my Scooby snacks. Yeah, exactly right. That's what it feels like. And for the first time, uh, in a while, for an animated Scooby Doo movie, they just recast everyone. Yeah, and they didn't even tell the other actors. Like Matthew Lillard tweeted, and he was just like, oh. Nice to find out I'm not going to be in the next Scooby-Doo movie by watching the trailer. Yeah. Like, they didn't know. And, like, Grey Delise, who has uh, played uh, Daphne for, like, 25 years now, mm-hmm. same thing. They didn't even tell her. They just did the movie, and then she was like, oh, guess I'm not playing Daphne in the next big-budget Scooby-Doo movie. Instead, we get Zac Efron as Fred. And Amanda Seyfried as Daphne. Who is that? She's um, she's in Jennifer's Body. She's in I Mank coming out movie. next week. We'll see it tomorrow. Yeah. Playing it next week. Uh, we're watching it tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, we're watching Mank tomorrow. Little tidbit. We're watching Mank tomorrow. Next week. Mank. Mank and Citizen Kane next week. Ooh. Total vibe switch. Yep. Scooby-Doo. Mank and Citizen Kane. Anyway. I think, like, beyond the fact that they betray what fans love about the franchise, they had the nerve to completely betray the cast who has played these characters for decades now. Yeah. And I think that, more than anything, is the ultimate slap in the face, mm-hmm. is how little they cared about the people that we care about. Exactly. You know, this movie sucks. It's the worst Scooby-Doo movie to ever come out. Do not watch it. I'm going to have to disagree. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty bold statement. I haven't even seen it. The, one of the worst Scooby-Doo movies, in my opinion, is Scooby-Doo, or Mystery, Inc., um, First Beginnings or whatever. Oh, man, I forgot about those. Like That one's bad. Those are really bad. So I guess... Like young teens or something? Yeah. I guess this has a couple more redeemable qualities than those, Um, like... 2010 live no, action. No, it's still disgraceful because it absolutely takes the entire entirety of Mystery Inc., the core idea, and throws it out the window. Mm-hmm. It um, and basically, replaces every single actor. It shits on everything that people love about the vibe of Scooby Doo and the cast of Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a big slap in the face. It is a big slap in the face. Since we are talking about though the 
original voice actors for Scooby-Doo and all this stuff. It's a perfect segue into one thing I want to mention at the end of this episode being um, the Animaniacs reboot. So Animaniacs have been rebooted onto Hulu, um, and it's really funny. I love Animaniacs because they're like the Deadpool of Warner Brothers. Um, They literally, in their trailer, uh, talk about how reboots are a problem of Hollywood because it's just another way to make money, even though that's literally what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But no, Animaniacs is great, and the reason why I talk about voice actors is because the voice actor for Fred is in the Animaniacs reboot. Oh really? He was the he voice acted. He did a lot of like Hanna Barbera cartoons, um, different characters for them. And so one of them is the security guard that's trying to catch um, uh, the Animaniacs. Um, and so he's still doing stuff. And so that that sucks that they didn't uh, get him because he's literally still doing Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, but really quickly, for those of you who don't know who Animaniacs are, and you're not a uh, I'm not even a 90s kid. You're not a uh, cartoon fan like I am. Animaniacs is this, uh, like I said, it's essentially the Deadpool of Warner Brothers where they would uh, they would have their own show. They were the Warner Brothers, Yakko, Wacko, and their the Warner sister, Dot. Um, they lived in the water tower on the Warner Brothers studio set, um, and they would escape and do crazy hijinks, and that's also where we get Pinky in the Brain, um, and that kind of thing, but it was essentially this time slot where they had these small little, uh, it was like Looney Tunes kind, of, where they had these little shorts and stuff with these different characters. Um, but Animaniacs is an amazing show, and the reboot keeps all those things that the Animaniacs were doing, like being uh, uh, topic sensitive about the times. Um, they make a funny joke about how the script was written in 2018, so they think Trump is still president, mm-hmm. um, but they're not really sure. Uh, and so they they always do that, and they have always been doing that, and they still keep doing that, and it's great. I absolutely love it. Um, I think it's just so fun for those people who loved Animaniacs, and for those people who have never seen Animaniacs, it's a great way to see Animaniacs. Um, yeah. in his glory. So my question to you, I never watched any Animaniacs. Like, I've never seen it, like, yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, can I watch this new one without watching the old ones? Yes. Okay, cool. Because what Animaniacs is, is it's timeless. Yes, the jokes are outdated from the old one because it was all about the 90s. Um, but there's no like crazy plot or anything. It's just, it's exactly like Looney Tunes where you could watch the old Looney Tunes cartoons from back in the day and you could watch the new ones that they're still making these days, and you doesn't matter. Like, there's no overarching plot thing you have to know. Um, ha- having never seen any of them, I think like so I can't really speak on them too much. But it seems like one of those shows that's like perfect for a reboot because it's great because it it's so meta and it's constantly making jokes about media right now and the times right now. From what I've gathered, mm-hmm. that that's something that can be rebooted over and over. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get aged too, uh, poorly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Animaniacs is great because they aren't these characters set in a time. They're these characters who literally um, all they do is make fun of uh, things that, that are happening right now and, like, happening in the world. And um, there's uh, they're, they're just, like, iconic, and they're timeless, and they're known for so many great things, like I showed you the, uh, na- the Nations of the World song, mm-hmm. which is an amazing song. For those of you who don't know... 
It is a song that was created and is performed on Animaniacs about every single... It's just every single listing, every single nation in the world. And somebody came up with that. The fact somebody, that they were able to make that rhyme is crazy. So, and it all rhymes. It all rhymes. Somebody made that, and that is just so amazing. And you can listen... You can watch uh, interviews with the vo- the guy who does the voice of Yakko. Um, and he was like, yeah, that was done in like one take. It was all one take. Wow. Um, or maybe it was one take, or maybe they tried to and they couldn't. But it's like it's a song you can do in one take. Um, so many people have learned it and all that stuff. Is this on H- HBO Max, right? It is on Hulu. Hulu, okay. Hulu rebooted them. Uh, and so you can check it out on Hulu. Uh, very funny, very good. Have you watched the new one yet? I've watched a couple um, clips from episodes, and it seems like they've rekindled Animaniacs in the way that it always was. Awesome. Um, not in the same sense where uh, it feels the same, because obviously you can't pull something from the 90s and be like, it's the same thing. Right. It's obviously changed up a little bit, but the characters are very similar, the premise is very similar, like... There's nothing um, too drastically changed about it. Right. And plus, they have all the same voice actors, even though it's been 22 years since they've been on air. That's pretty awesome, man. It's amazing. It's and that's, fantastic. That's what Scoob didn't do, and that's what you need to For do. Scoob goofed up. It's where you goof. You got to stick with the cast members who are loyal to your franchise because the fans love them, and they love the franchise. There's no need to be like, give me that sleek uh, Zac Efron name so I can throw it on the poster. I don't care. Yeah, I love Zac Efron, and let me just tell you, when you're trying to, like, advertise a Scooby-Doo movie with, like, Zac Efron and Amanda Seyfried as, like, the slapped-on names on the front, I do not care. You know what is the good advertising, the name you gotta use to advertise? Scooby-Doo. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't care about uh, Zac Efron in that movie. I care about Scooby-Doo in the Mystery Inc. Give me Matthew Lillard on there. Give me Great Elise on there. Give me Frank Welker on there. I want all these names Give that everybody the, oh, loves. Jeez. I don't want. On. I don't want this reboot. No, no one wants a reboot of new uh, characters and voices. But that's sadly what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of just to tie it all up, uh, as we're getting close to the end here, Scooby Doo is amazing. Scooby Doo was such a huge part of my childhood. I love Scooby Doo. I will always love Scooby Doo. Um, obviously, there are some that are better than others, and um, I don't think I can make a definitive list about what the all-time greatest Scooby Doo movie. Um, but I, Scooby-Doo will be something I show to my kids. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm hoping that when I show my kids Scooby-Doo, I can show them all the ones that I love and that there's still good Scooby-Doo yeah. coming out. Like ones that I can sit down that are new and enjoy. But like the, um, Scoob sucked, but there was a Halloween Scooby-Doo movie that came out, a VOD one this year with yeah. Matthew, Matthew Lillard. I watched it. And it was really fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, these VOD ones are doing better what, like, a big blockbuster is trying to do. Yeah, why are why are all these big blockbusters uh, trying to figure out how to go to the new uh, platform of video on demand? And why are they not just looking at Scooby-Doo? I know. For the answers. Yeah. Scooby-Doo had it down packed before anything. Yeah. I agree <laughs> with you, though. Like, this is it's such an important franchise to me, and... You couldn't pick one great Scooby-Doo movie because there's a lot of them. Like, there's a ton. And a lot of great shows. And like we tried to do one on the whole franchise here, and there's so much that we just simply could not get into. Yeah. It's it's a great franchise, and I'm really hoping that it gets that breath of life that it deserves in the coming decade. I hope we don't watch Scooby-Doo crash and burn because like Animaniacs, it could be done whenever. Exactly. 
Like you can always do more Scooby-Doo. You just have to slightly adjust the time frame or adjust the script and whatever, you know, like there's always mm-hmm. chances to make new Scooby-Doo. Exactly. Scooby-Doo, the best. Scooby-Doo will always have a place in my heart. Um, right before we end. Right it. before we end. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, right before we end this episode, I just wanted to ask you, when you were a kid, did you want to eat Scooby snacks like me? And did you not realize that they were dog treats until f- way further in your life? I knew that they were dog treats, still wanted to eat them. <laughs> if Shaggy could thoroughly enjoy them, I'm sure they tasted pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And I I remember getting the Scooby-Doo Dunkaroos and acting like those were Scooby snacks. but The Scooby-Doo gummies. gummies. <sighs> Classic. And the best one was Scooby, the blue one. Oh, I thought I thought Fred was the blue one. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm wrong. But the blue one was the best one. Maybe it was Scooby-Doo. I don't know. Yeah, the blue one was pretty good. Anyways, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. <laughs> All right, before we, before we finish this episode, Hayden, give me your best Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you want me to do it? Just hit me with it. Reggie. <laughs> okay. You gotta do it too. That's pretty good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try for the classic Scooby Doo laugh. Oh, <laughs> you got some nuts on you, man. <laughs> that was actually good. That was actually good. All right, now I'm gonna do the entire outro in the voice of Shaggy. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. We had a lot of fun um, doing it. If you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your uh, podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast, where we uh, post movie news, all that good stuff. And you can check out our individual Instagrams. I am at Wesley Giffen. And I am at Hayden Kutris. And it's the same for our letterbox if you want to check out our movie recommendations or ratings. Um, But yeah, I think that's about it. So as always, we are the Dive-In Movie Cast, and we'll see you guys next time. See you for a discussion on Citizen Kane and Mank.